All right, everyone, welcome back to The Jacob Wolf Show, Monday, November 28th. We have a lot to discuss today, a lot of news, including some original reporting that I'm going to bring you on this case in California that just highlights uh, the threat of sexual predators online, highlights the importance of what we do with Predator DC. So we're going to uh, get into all of that coming up. Uh, But first, we have breaking news. BlockFi has filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Uh, Their biggest creditor turns out to be the Securities and Exchange Commission, who they owed some $30 million to out of a balance uh, that that is, in fact, a balance that remained of a $100 million settlement that they signed with the SEC. Uh, The settlement was over not properly registering crypto lending products with the SEC, Uh, Yet another instance of the SEC, the CFTC, uh, both of these regulatory agencies settling allegations, uh, ending investigations early, uh, and not plugging forward and discovering the real fraud that was taking place at so many of these cryptocurrency operations. BlockFi, of course, essentially operated a crypto platform in which had a lot of features. One of their most prominent features was a BlockFi Visa credit card, uh, which paid you uh, rewards cash back in the form of cryptocurrencies, uh, namely Bitcoin, as I understand it. Uh, They spent millions of dollars on marketing, uh, did a lot of that with online influencers, online uh, personalities, Uh, throughout YouTube, throughout the financial commentary and financial advice space on YouTube. Uh, And what was most amazing is that when BlockFi stopped allowing people to withdraw deposits and withdraw rewards that they had with the company, they also, in the very same press release, put out a statement that said, oh, by the way, make sure to still pay your credit card bill with us. If not, we will ding your credit. So telling people that the situation as far as Uh, assets and liabilities did not go in both directions. And legally speaking, they're right. Uh, All the more reason to never engage with these uh, kinds of operations. Happy Monday to you. I see here in the live chat. uh, For those of you watching live here on YouTube, we've got somebody tuning in from Minnesota, uh, a viewer from Canada, Tim there, Devin from Minnesota. Thanks so much for joining us uh, here today live. So BlockFi Chapter 11 Bankruptcy Uh, We will see what happens. This continues to play out throughout the crypto space. I think Binance will go down. I think Tether will go down. And I think it's just a matter of time before that happens. If you have your money in these uh, cryptocurrencies, uh, well, I I wouldn't. That's all I'll tell you. Uh, It's up to you. Uh, This isn't financial advice. It's up to you. But I, I wouldn't have my money in these currencies. I wouldn't have my money, particularly on these exchanges at all. Um, I just want to talk very briefly here about this whole situation of you have Kanye West and now that has spun into Nick Fuentes being involved, who I've debated a number of times. And now Milo Yiannopoulos is involved and there's some dinner that takes place at Mar-a-Lago with with Milo Yiannopoulos and Nick Fuentes and Kanye West or maybe not Milo Yiannopoulos and Karen Giorno, who was the campaign manager for Laura Loomer. Uh, on her last two campaigns, uh, and a big controversy. Now, let me first of all tell you, I am not, and I will repeat, I am not the arbiter of who is allowed to have dinner with whom, especially not former presidents. I have never been the arbiter of who is allowed to have dinner with whom, and I don't want to be. I have no desire to be in the game of shaming people for having dinner with other people who I think they shouldn't have dinner with. Uh, Whoever you think uh, that I may have had dinner with, you just assume that I have. Just go ahead and assume that I have had dinner with those people. I mean, I've been at political conferences where you have huge tables uh, that are 25 feet long, 30 feet long, and There's all kinds of people at those tables who I guess I technically have had dinner with, even if I did not exchange a single word with them. So I'm not in the game of 
being the arbiter as far as who is allowed to have dinner with whom, criticizing people for having meals or sitting at tables with certain people or taking selfies with certain people. It's just not my game. It's just not my game at all. And frankly, I, I, it's also not my game to, to delve into the he said, she said about what took place in conversations uh, at dinners that I am not privy to when you're dealing with third hand, fourth hand information. It's just a waste of time. It's not something I'm interested in. We have much more important things to uh, discuss. Uh, Milo did come to a press conference. Perry asked here. He did come to a press conference. Uh, Milo later sort of turned on on me. Um, and over an alleged, uh, he thinks that money was owed to him basically. And Milo, uh, threatened to kill my business partner, Jack Berkman's dog. Those posts are public. Uh, people have seen them, uh, said he was trying to hire somebody to kill the dog, threatened to kill the dog, um, all of that sort of stuff. So that's that as you can make of that what you will. But just, you know, talking about what's going on here with all of this, one thing that I think this really highlights, one point this really highlights is that Kanye West is not a child. He's not even a young adult, uh, teen star, early 20 star. He's not brand new to the scene. Uh, he is not uh, special ed. He's not low IQ. Kanye West is an adult uh, and he is accountable for the people that he chooses to enlist into his inner circle. Uh, Kanye West is accountable for the people that he decides to hire and, in, and indeed fire. He's accountable for that. Whether they be his doctors, his lawyers, his accountants, uh, his personal trainers, uh, who he chooses to hire, he is accountable for that. He is an adult. Uh, and he's accountable for who he chooses to marry and have children with. Uh, I would never uh, marry Kim Kardashian. I would never conceive children with Kim Kardashian. I'll tell you that. I mean, and as far as her, that whole look she's got, that's not even something I'm into. That whole plastic surgery, uh, morphed caricature look is not something that I'm even into. I, so I wouldn't even frankly be interested in, in, in dating somebody who looked like that. Um, it's just not my, not my thing, but in terms of her overall character, I would never marry somebody like that. I would never have children with somebody like that. And we don't have to go into all the various points and all of the backstory. This is just not the forum for that. It's just not. Uh, so he's responsible for this. He is responsible for who he hires and who he fires. And if Kanye West repeatedly selects the worst possible people imaginable for so many of these roles, then he needs to take responsibility uh, when these people cause him harm. He has got to take responsibility. You know, nobody says that it's the old grandma's fault who's in the nursing home when some slick-talking scam artist shows up and talks her out of her retirement. Nobody blames her. Nobody blames her. Uh, but when you are an able-bodied man who has been a celebrity for the better part of 20 years and you've had an opportunity to hire and fire and, and, and work through staff and do a lot of deals and you have been able to in spite of all these perceived wrongs that have been done to you, make several billion dollars and do all of these things, then, then you at that point have got to take responsibility when the people you hire go rogue. I've had to do this. There's a point at which uh, who you hire, you, you hit yourself when they do wrong. You uh, feel bad about your own decision to keep that person around or to not fire them sooner when they screw up or get something very wrong. You think about whether you should have taken sense, at least if you're if you're competent, I think. This is something that Trump has been terrible with. I think that that Trump is is one of the the absolute worst hires in history. Certainly in the role of president. I mean I mean at his level he has been the the worst 
when it comes to staffing of any person I've ever seen. Uh, it's always blaming other people. It's always blaming advisors. It's always blaming this. But at the end of the day, he has found a way to, to hire people that have usurped him, that have betrayed him, that have gone against his agenda. And in the case of people that in earnest tried to commit the agenda, they were every bit, if not even more incompetent than those other people at trying to get that done. So it has been a total disaster. So that's something that I think Kanye has to take responsibility for at this point. And if he keeps hiring these people who are uh, such, uh, you know, obviously poor choices for various roles, then, you know, he, he's going to have to take responsibility when things go wrong and not blame uh, organized Jewry, for example. That is just not the 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 butt of the blame when he is hiring people so poorly. And I and I'm I'm surprised that I even have to say this. I'm surprised that that nobody else is really saying this. I mean in, in speaking of which the lawyer that recently turned on Kanye West who he hired and paid a great deal of money to six figures plus I understand and turned on him. Well she was an Armenian just like his ex-wife Kim Kardashian. She wasn't a Jew. She was an Armenian. And those of you that know about Armenians, and no offense to any of the Armenians uh, in the audience, I know a lot of great Armenians, but I will tell you, the Armenian community has a reputation for white-collar crime, for scams, for deception in business. It is what it is. They're, they're just well-known for that. Um, if you look at like the the sort of five-figure fraud schemes where like a guy buys a car with a fake check and things like this, um, in Southern California, it's like a ton of Armenian instances of that more so than any other group. So th that is the other thing. And then the other part I will say, cause I just want to contribute here where I think I can contribute. And that's not on a lot of different dynamics of this, but the other part of this is, is that yay, as he's now known Kanye West, I don't like the yay thing. I just doesn't, it doesn't work for me. Um, because for one thing it's, it doesn't spell yay. It spells ye. You know, like old English where they say, uh, where is ye? And, and you speak in that kind of old English. Uh, it's not even really old English. It's middle English. It, like in uh, Shakespeare, if you read Shakespeare, you say ye. It's not yay, it's ye. But so that's why I have a hard time with it. But in any event, yay, as he now calls himself, I don't know if he's legally changed his name. Maybe he has. Uh, was very happy. Let's point this out. Was very happy to work with this Satanist freak, Loda Volkova, for years when Balenciaga was paying him millions and millions of dollars. Their uh, exploitation of children in, in recent ads only became something that he said was an affront to his Christian sensibilities when the paychecks from Balenciaga stopped arriving in the mail. So let's be very clear about that. He was very happy to uh, deal with that particular designer. There are images that come from that designer, this uh, Loda Volkova's Instagram, that are literally so disturbing that I can't show them here on YouTube. If you want to see an assortment of them, I have a post on my Telegram talking about this very topic. I mean, you're, you're, on her Instagram, she's setting up scenes where she's eating children. She calls herself a cannibal. She's set up extreme uh, BDSM scenes featuring children meant to portray the abuse of children. But uh, I, at least as far as we know, not actually doing so. It's just a scene. Uh, but, you know, what what precisely is the difference, really, I mean, children cannot consent to that sort of thing. So it's like, you know, Kanye was happy to do all of that stuff uh, for so long. Very recently, all of this was out there with Balenciaga, with this designer. He's so happy to, to participate until very recently when they parted ways with him over the controversy and stopped paying him. So it is really uh, an important thing to keep in mind in all of this. Um, Kanye deleted all the tweets related to Milo. Yeah. And some of the tweets that were coming out of Kanye's account were very clearly written by Milo based around the way that they were written. 
the use of the word starvingly, which is not really a, a even a word in uh, American English. I don't know that it's even a word in British English, but I've heard it used more in British English parlance than I have in American English. So, look, we're not going to waste a lot of time on this. There's there's more pressing news. Uh, Predator DC, myself and Predator DC had a big scoop in the last uh, 24 hours. There was a story that came out of Southern California in the last couple of days about a triple murder. This was based in Riverside, California, in the La Sierra neighborhood. Uh, I had an office at La Sierra University, tutored business students there when I was uh, just 17 years old. I know right where this is. There was a story of a triple murder. A mother, a father, and their adult daughter murdered and then Fire set to the home in an attempt to cover up the murder, unsuccessfully, ultimately. Suspect on the loose. This is what took place. The media gave this story only topical coverage, not the least of which because their main talents, as it were, were uh, on vacation with Thanksgiving. They don't work on Thanksgiving the way that I do. I know the way that many of you do. They were out. Uh, Many senior law enforcement officials were out for Thanksgiving, were out of town, were unavailable. And there are some jobs that are so important that they simply do not stop for the holidays. If you accept a certain mantle in life, if you accept a certain level of importance and responsibility, you don't get to leave town on vacation for the holidays. And if you do, and something like this happens, you are expected to drop everything and show up at work fast, immediately. That is. But so many people abrogate those responsibilities. That is to say that they fail to meet them. And so uh, based on some original reporting that I have been able to do, I have now learned more about what exactly happened in this story. And none of this was in the media before I began tweeting it out on the Predator DC account yesterday and began posting it on Telegram yesterday as well as trying to get reporters to look into this. And what happened is this. There was a Virginia-based law enforcement officer. He had been a Virginia state trooper. Then he had began working as a sheriff's deputy at the Washington County Sheriff's Department or Sheriff's Office, it's called, in Virginia. That's Washington County, Virginia. It is not near Washington, D.C. It is in uh, southwest Virginia, getting into Appalachia. It's about the third most western county on the southern border, or it is the third most western county on the southern border, as I can recall. So he's a law enforcement officer there, and at some point, it's unclear exactly when, he begins a long-distance relationship with an underage girl who he meets online. We have seen a lot of this on Predator DC, of course. Again, the sheriff's deputy, Austin Lee Edwards, age 29. Uh, Some media reports say he's 28. I have him at 29. In any event, he begins a relationship with with an underage teen online um, and begins this explicit relationship. They're calling it catfishing. It's not just catfishing. What this was is him sort of whitewashing his identity to make it more appealing to underage teens. We see a lot of this. Um, At Predator DC, we see that these guys almost always lie about their age by at least a couple of years. Sometimes this is to make it harder to cross-reference exactly who they are. Even if it's two or three years or one year, they'll lie about their age to that degree. But sometimes they lie about their age by 20 years or more. They use 10, 15, 20-year-old photos a lot of times. We see this a lot. And so he has this relationship, and it's a relationship in which, according to some sources I've spoken to, he begins sort of blackmailing the teen at some level, um, gets her to send explicit photos of herself, sends explicit photos of himself, according to sources I've spoken to, and she cuts off contact. Uh, This is the underage teen, that is. So then what happens is that Austin Lee Edwards, this police officer, makes his way out to Southern California from Virginia. Unclear at this point whether he drove or whether uh, he flew out. He brings with him his badge 
and his department issued pistol. He knocks on the door of uh, Mark and Sherry Winnack in Riverside, California, this Austin Lee Edwards. And he represents himself as being there to conduct an investigation. May he please come in. He conned his way into the home. This is why you don't want to open your door to people you don't know, even if they represent themselves as police, especially if they're traveling alone. A real uh, police contact is almost never going to happen one-on-one. It's, there's going to be two officers for a whole host of reasons we, we can get into another time. So they open the door, cons his way in. This is broad daylight. And he understands this to be where the underage teen lives. He talks to these two people who turn out to be the grandparents of the underage teen. This is Mark and Sherry Winnack. And Brooke Winnack, who is the mother of the underage teen, also has one other daughter who's underage, is not there, nor is the underage teen. Uh, It is believed that at some point, Austin Lee Edwards causes uh, one of the grandparents of the underage teen to call their daughter, Brooke Renek, and and tell her to come over and bring the girl to help with this uh, investigation. So at some point, Brooke Renek and the daughter arrive at this home uh, in Riverside, California. Uh, He is there. He then murders the three adults that are there in the home. Mark, Sherry, and Brooke Winnack. He murders them uh, with his department-issued handgun. He has fuel, which he has uh, either left in his car or placed outside the home. It's unclear. He parked his car in a neighbor's driveway. He had scoped out the home. We see this with these pedophiles. They scope out their situation. So he, he basically then parks... Uh, at a neighbor's home so that he doesn't look out of place. This is a cul-de-sac alongside some train tracks. Um, So he parks in a neighbor's driveway. He goes and gets the gasoline and and attempts to basically cover up the murder of the three adults with gasoline. All the while, he is uh, controlling this minor, uh, who, by the way, according to sources I've spoken to, is uh, in special education, is developmentally delayed. So the minor is developmentally delayed, who he has been victimizing for months or longer, at least months. He murders the, the mother of her. It's a single mother. The father's not in the picture. He's nowhere to be found. Talk about the dangers of single mother households. Murders the adults, attempts to set fire to the home and the bodies to cover it up. Uh, apparently neighbors hear the girl screaming as he's pulling her out of the home. They didn't hear the gunshots inside the home. That's understandable. Uh, handgun shots may or may not be heard inside a home, depending on what other ambient noise exists in the area, the thickness of the walls or windows open, all of that. And so he drags out the, the underage girl after setting fire to the home. Austin Lee Edwards does drags her into his car. They leave the scene she is missing. Uh, she is missing. So this takes place, uh, by all indications, basically uh, on the on the twenty sixth, really. Uh, perhaps even the twenty fifth. It could be the twenty fifth. But, but firefighters arrive. Uh, they are able to put out the fire pretty quickly. It was not really a fire that was going to be able to burn down the entire home unless it was really allowed to burn. Riverside uh, Fire Department, they get there pretty quickly. They put out the fire. They're able to recover the bodies without having the bodies be completely uh, you know, charred and damaged. They piece together pretty quickly that the, that the guy's missing in action. He's nowhere to be found. Eventually, he is tracked down. I won't say how, even though I know just because it it doesn't make sense really to to reveal that information now. Uh, He is tracked down to Needles, California. This is in the desert, uh, basically approaching the California-Arizona border, way out in the desert. Uh, People forget how large 
some of these counties are in California, how large the state of California is. Uh, San Bernardino County is the largest county in the country by area. Riverside County is the second largest. These counties are huge. They're huge in terms of area. They go on as far as the eye can see and, and, and beyond. I mean, they are larger than certain states. Okay. They're larger than certain countries. I think San Bernardino County is larger than Israel. Last time I checked, I could be wrong, but I, I believe so. So these are enormous places. They, they track him down. They engage in a shootout with him, at which point he dies. There's some conflicting accounts as to whether it is uh, his uh, shot, a self-inflicted gunshot wound that kills him, whether it's police gunshot wounds that kill him, or whether it is a, a mix of the two uh, that... Uh, that 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 kill him, meaning he was hit by them, shoots himself, something like that. The girl who was kidnapped survived, and uh, thank God her little sister was visiting an aunt at the time and was not brought to that home, or she very well could have been killed along with the rest of the family, or uh, could have been kidnapped herself. We don't know what, if anything, happened to this this. Poor girl, this developmentally delayed girl, while she was uh, kidnapped by this Austin Lee Edwards. We don't know. That, that is going to be pieced together. Uh, just a horrifying instance of an internet predator going completely off the rails. And, you know, we, we have busted cops uh, on Predator DC. I've seen this uh, FBI agent we had, Jamie Menina. He has, of course, come after us with completely specious charges of wiretapping, stalking, claims we vandalized his car. We've been surveilling him for over a year. Uh, all nonsense, of course. We had another Virginia uh, sheriff's deputy busted in season three. So these people are out there. I'm going to show you a picture of this guy uh, that I've been able to confirm is is accurate. This is a picture of Austin Lee Edwards. He was a Virginia State Trooper before joining the Washington County Sheriff's Office. Even though this is a small county, they have a lot of meth-related crime. Meth seems to be the major problem in that area, not opioids as it would so happen. They seem to be a pretty well-funded department. Uh, they had a lot. I mean, they had a helicopter. They had... A lot of high-end canines. Um, they just had the trappings of a, of a well-funded department, whether it be from you know local or whether it be from state or federal grants or however that works. But you do look at Austin Lee Edwards, at least for those of you watching uh, live or afterwards here on YouTube. Uh, for those of you listening, you can look on the Predator DC show. It's at Predator DC show on Twitter or uh, on my Telegram at Jacob A. Wool on Telegram. And you can see this photo. But this guy uh, has what we call in the business uh, the look. And it is not to say that every pedophile has the look. We have seen enough pedophiles at this point who we busted at Predator DC, and I've you know sat across from them, and many more who didn't show up to the sting house or just the scheduling didn't work out, uh, to tell you that there are plenty of them that don't have this look, this pedophile look. Plenty of them do not. Um, plenty of them you could not sort out in a crowd. You really, really couldn't sort out in a crowd. But many of them do. And you have to wonder, how does a guy who has this Lester the Molester look uh, end up hired by this department? Uh, or any police department? Um I mean, a sick, sick, pathetic individual. We may not ever know, I mean, depending on the degree of the forensic investigation that goes on to his various computers that goes on with regards to his background. Uh, but, you know, because sometimes you find out, sometimes you don't. You never know if they can find the computers, what they find. It's always hard to say. But if you look into this, I will guarantee you that this contact with this underage uh, teen 
or maybe not even a teen yet. I, I, there's, I'm not going to get into the age here beyond to say underage. This may not have been his first. And this is, uh, like we have shown with Predator DC, a prevalent problem. We only have so much capacity. We only have so much time. God knows we only have so much budget to put on the kinds of stings that we put on. But frankly, there's, it's like there's a couple ways to catch drunk drivers. You can catch them driving by happenstance. That's one way to catch them. Uh, you can catch them after there's been some big wreck and they've damaged property or life or caused injuries to themselves or others or their kids. One way to catch drunk drivers, and it's a ticky-tack way to conduct law enforcement, depending on how it's done and where it's done. And frankly, nobody likes to to, to approach one of these, even when you're just sometimes tired and you, you're thinking, oh man, the bright lights in my eyes, are they going to think I'm drunk? But a DUI checkpoint is one way to catch them. And as far as pedophiles, uh, the, the way that you can catch them is you can catch them like this guy was caught in a shootout with police after they have murdered a family, torched the bodies in the home, and kidnapped the underage teen who's now caught in the crossfire and, thank God, survived. Although the, the psychological impact of this is going to be horrifying. I mean, you don't even want to think about how bad it's going to be. Um, you can, you can catch them after they've done something like this, after they've likely molested dozens of other children or more than dozens, hundreds perhaps, uh, or you can catch them in a predator DC style sting operation. Those are your options. And by the way, if you catch them in a predator DC style sting operation, you know, you better hope that prosecutors want to pursue it. You better hope that the sentence that's handed down by the judge or a jury is stiff is a stiff sentence because if you put out if you put them back out there on the streets, they're registered a registered sex offender, that's great. The neighbors know they're creeps or what have you, but that does not stop them from going on the internet, even if they're not allowed to. They do. And what we know is uh reoffense among these people, recidivism among sex offenders particularly uh, pedophiles, those who are sex offenders against children, not merely uh, gropers in the park or something. Uh, it is a very high rate of recidivism, and they are very good at picking their victims. You look at this case, he picked a victim even through the internet. He knew, well, she's developmentally delayed. It's a single mother, might be working a couple of jobs, might not be around, no father in the picture. Bouncing between grandparents, aunt, single mother, developmentally delayed, okay, uh, in special ed. That is the kind of victim that these guys pick. They pick their victims very carefully. They are not going to go after, generally speaking, the teen who's well supervised in the two parent household. There are exceptions, but they're not going to do that because they know the risk of being caught is much higher and they want to molest that teen and move on to the next one. And so they pick their victims very carefully. It's one of the things that we've observed. And it looks like the case of Austin Lee Edwards. I want to, I got to take this sicko's face off of the screen here. I, I can't look at it anymore. It looks like this was no different. So uh, the situation is, uh, it, it is a terrible one. Um, you know, I, 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 it brings me absolutely no joy to, to, to report this. I'm glad I could get the scoop and then I was able to get the accurate information out there. I suspect that may, that, that maybe what was happening here is, is that there was concern that this guy would have killed the underage girl and they were worried about that. And so they didn't put out a big Amber alert and all that stuff in this case. It was a matter of a, a tactic on the part of the police not to make this ultra public in the way that you often see done with with kidnappings because they they may have thought that would make it more likely for him to to kill her. Um, so a, a, a police predator, uh, Austin Lee Edwards, 
thank God, ended quickly uh, on the scene. Uh, there's really, really, this is how you hope that these things end. Um, if they're going to happen at all, you really hope that you don't need trials and things. Clear-cut situation of a proper use of police force, done, dead on the scene, no need for, um, you know, courts and juries and and no need for this minor teen to, to get put on the stand and cross-examined and uh, put through this for the next three years in a courtroom setting. Um, just unbelievable. And, and again, it highlights the importance of what we do with Predator DC and I know many of you are our viewers. Many of you are supporters of Predator DC and support what we do there. We're doing everything we can, truly everything we can. We're under total legal attack from all sides, as you well know, but we're, we're, we're doing everything we can. I mean, to the point where after season two, I was just about dead from pneumonia. I mean, I, I mean, I had bacterial pneumonia where I couldn't speak for about three weeks. I was limping through the show um, near hospitalization and uh, had to do two rounds of antibiotics to wipe it out. I just got to the point of exhaustion, and then bacterial pneumonia set in. That's what can happen. And uh, eight weeks later, I could I could take a full breath again. Thankfully, it took about eight weeks to fully get over that. I want to talk about this China protest narrative? What is going on with these China protests? And I will tell you, it's a suspicious narrative. Um, I have before been in positions where. People have asked me to talk more about this protest and this or that place. Talk more about this. And they're sort of, you know, third derivatives of intelligence agencies promoting a protest. And I, I don't participate in intelligence operations for free. I just don't. And, and I don't make my viewers the butt of CIA propaganda. They get that every other place. They don't need to get it from me. And, um, you know, it's not like they pay you much to do this kind of reposting anyway, if anything, so that nobody gets paid for this kind of thing anyway, just so you know. They might get paid indirectly different ways. But what's going on with this? CBS News says COVID lockdown fuels rare protests in China with calls for Xi Jinping to resign. It's like, do you remember these same mainstream media outlets the way that they reported on anti-lockdown protesters here in the U.S.? Do you remember the way that they reported on the Canadian Freedom Convoy trucker protest? The one here in the U.S. was a total joke. Uh, but the, the way that they reported on that shut down their bank accounts. Have the Chinese shut down these people's bank accounts? Because if they have, that would only make them as tyrannical as the Canadians, and frankly, as tyrannical as U.S. companies that participated in freezing up the money to all of that, it would only make them as tyrannical as those people. Has China banned these people from all social media? Because that's what happened in our country, being cheered on by the likes of CBS, who is basically the CIA broadcasting system. So why all of a sudden are anti-lockdown protests a good thing? When here in the U.S., we were pilloried for any kind of anti-lockdown protests. People were called white supremacists for daring to have lockdown protests. Oh, unless those protests were Black Lives Matter riots, in which case the health establishment, the science establishment or, or self-purported, self-titled health and science establishment, they don't really care about health and science. Uh, you know, they said, well, the Black Lives Matter riots, those are different. Those are OK, as we all remember. But every other anti-lockdown protest was really clamped down on by the government in this country, by the media, by the tech companies, by the payment processors, by Hollywood, by corporations, by you name it, the entire power structure of this country. But all of a sudden, over in China, anti-lockdown protests are a good thing. Well, people say, well, yeah, but, but COVID's in a different situation now. Well, who are you to say that? What do you know about strains going around in China? So the whole thing to me looks like a big operation, a big intelligence operation. It does. And I'm telling you, it is. When you see these videos coming out of China, remember uh, the, the Great Firewall of China, all of this stuff banned on their one app, on their WeChat. Uh, Facebook doesn't really exist there. Google doesn't really exist there in any real form. 
Apple going as far as as disabling uh, AirDrop there uh, at the request of the Chinese with the over-the-air upgrade or however uh, to stop people from sharing videos of this. So when you see videos coming out of China, there might be a reason. There might be an agenda behind it. Remember the early videos of people dropping dead on the streets in China, and then it turned out those were fake to get us all panicked about COVID. Remember those? The mind virus of COVID that spread around the world, the paranoia, the hypochondria, which of course led into the lockdowns, the masking, the destruction of our societies, the removal of our freedoms in mass. So when you see videos coming out of China, you have to ask yourself about what you're seeing. Is it real? Could it be filmed on a, on a set in Hollywood? It could be. Could it be created by the Chinese for our consumption? Could it be created by Western intelligence? Could it be filmed in Australia by the Aussie intelligence? They're getting better at anti-China information operations, really getting better at them. They're very bright, the Australian intelligence service when it comes to this. They're a Five Eyes partner, of course, of the U.S. So it is something that you have to bear in mind here. This is some kind of an operation, and I'm not going to cheerlead whatever it is. I'm not going to do what you know I'm ordered to do by these various stooges that exist on the right and left and and every place else. And you have to ask yourself, you know, what do you really know about China? You know, I, I am no fan of the Chinese government. I'm no fan of China. I'm really no fan of the Chinese people. You know, frankly, I have been. The guy who has said, when you hear people bitching and moaning about the CCP, a lot of times that's controlled opposition. It is not uh, anti-China, really. They're trying to isolate the issue to being the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, and not China. And then a lot of times you look into who those people are backed by, people like Jack Posobiec and people like uh, Steve Bannon. And you look, or Getter, that website, and they're backed by Miles Kwok, who is a Chinese stooge. He is a Chinese intelligence asset who is controlled opposition, who pretends to be anti-China in order to steer opposition to China in a direction that is harmless to the Chinese. And, 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 and isolating it to the CCP and saying, oh, the Chinese people are great, but the CCP is the problem. That's part of it. And that's never correct. It's like when we said, oh, uh, Saddam Hussein's the problem. It's, it's not the Iraqi people. They're good people. Well, we toppled Saddam Hussein, and how did that turn out? Most of our troops were not killed by the Iraqi army or the Republican Guard or any of that. They were killed by these wonderful Iraqi people who, after we removed their tyrannical government, it turned out they hated Americans even more than they hated Saddam if they hated Saddam at all. And they went from being barbers or soldiers, or they went from being uh, craftsmen or masons or merchants to being full-time terrorists blowing up Americans, blowing themselves up in the process oftentimes. Well, how did it work in Vietnam? Oh, the Vietnamese people are great. It's just uh, the, 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 the Viet Cong that are the problem. It's just... Uh, it's just uh, you know, it's just uh, the, the NVA who are the problem. It's these darned uh, Chinese communists who are the problem. Oh, really? How did that turn out? How did that project turn out? Complete disaster. Oh, the German people are great. It's just the, uh, the Nazi party who's a problem. Okay. Well, who's manning the guns at the beaches of Normandy? It's not the party. It's not the party bureaucrats. It's the German people. So this, this whole nonsense narrative about the CCP, CCP this, CCP that, these people are controlled opposition who say that. They're oftentimes literally being paid tens of thousands of dollars a month that originated in China and has been obscured through various shell companies and then pumped through various operations here in the U.S., ultimately landing in their bank accounts. Yes, Miles Kwok is a Chinese spy. Yes, he has actually paid uh, 
for the harassment of actual Chinese dissidents and actual Chinese defectors here in the U.S. He has done that. U.S. intelligence understands that he's a Chinese spy. They have chosen not to take action against him heretofore because they think it's more valuable to stand back and watch him and watch who he interacts with and what he does and garner intelligence from that at this point than it is to take him down and then you don't learn anything by watching what he does. So they have henceforth or, or, or rather heretofore deemed him more interesting to watch than to take down. Steve Bannon was on his freaking yacht when he was arrested in 2020, by the way. Just saying, all right? So in any event, you have to ask yourself, what do you really know about China? Okay? It's like, why would I care about China banning this Falun Gong doomsday cult? If China wants to prevent the kind of atrocities that have been seen in neighboring Japan at the hands of the Arum uh, Shinriko terrorists or whatever these people call themselves, you know, this big cult that existed in Japan, another doomsday cult, then more power to them. I wish them luck. Falun Gong is another doomsday cult. It's an East Asian doomsday cult. And I'm supposed to care about that when, when Americans, including myself, face Massive political oppression, massive censorship, massive political legal persecution. I'm supposed to spend my time talking about the Falun Gong? Are you kidding me? You'd have to pay me to pretend to care about that. And well, it turns out there are people who are being paid to pretend to care about that. And I, I'm, I'm even more... I rate about that fact that I'm letting on here. I, I could really, really uh, show some outrage, but it's not the time. So what do you really know? It's like, oh, the Falun Gong. People just repeat these goddamn talking points. The Chinese would, would be happy for you to care about the Falun Gong as if that's really the, the, the relevant concern of Americans. They'd love for you to care about that. Nothing would weaken the country faster than for Americans to decide that their pet issue is going to be the Falun Gong cultists. They don't want sarin nerve gas set off in their subways as happened in Japan, thanks to a very similar doomsday cult. Doomsday cults are dangerous. You want to talk about people who are anti-Christian, you go look at the Falun Gong and what they actually publish. Go look at the primary source documents on this stuff. You're supposed to care about these Falun Gong. Give me a break. What do you actually know about Uyghurs? Seriously. And, and don't search on Google. You're not going to find any real information anymore. What do you actually know about Uyghurs? I've known about Uyghurs. First time I heard about Uyghurs, or as they, they pronounce them, Uyghurs, Uyghurs, that's how they pronounce it, more than a decade ago, when uh, my mother decided to host Chinese exchange students, we had a couple batches of them, in fact, and they told me about the Uyghurs, the stabbing attacks in the subways, the even bombings they've had throughout China. They have had dozens and dozens of terror attacks in China by these Uyghurs, these Uyghur Muslims. They're separatists and they are terrorists. But, you know, China apparently is not allowed to have a war on terror, not even a global war on terror, just a war on terror within their own borders. They're not allowed to do that. Our own FBI sets up dozens of stings per year, hundreds really, of terror stings, where what they're doing is they are creating a terrorist to get their funding to do the six-week uh, PR cycle and say, we busted a terrorist when it was really a uh, mentally disabled, mentally ill loner who uh, they convinced to change his name to an Arab name and come pick up a bomb from their undercover at the Walmart parking lot. Oh, but China's not allowed to uh, have a war on terror against people that have done dozens of terror attacks within their borders who want to destroy China. You know, it wasn't that long ago that, that, that our Western media would cover this. 
And look at this report out of the Associated Press. AP exclusive, Uyghurs fighting in Syria take aim at China. This is from the Associated Press. I've tweeted out the link. I have it archived. So it wasn't even that long ago the Associated Press was talking about how Uyghur Muslims were going to Syria to be trained by Al-Qaeda and al-Nusra and to be trained by ISIS in terrorist tactics and then take aim at China. By the way, some of this, of course, was funded by the United States, funded by the CIA, funded by, yes, the DOD. This was in Western media not that long ago. Not anymore. No, no, this is just the Uyghurs. That's just a benevolent group. They're basically like Jews. They're just uh, poor victims. And then ask yourself, what evidence have you really seen? Ask yourself. And I'm, I'm the first to say, send me the evidence. Email it in. Jacob at jacobold.org. Email me the evidence of Uyghurs uh, being genocided by China. I have seen no evidence of that. There's a couple of stock photos that don't even look real. They look strangely cropped together, composited together. They don't look right to me, frankly. And I don't know where they were taken. And I don't know what they are. And I don't know why a New York Times reporter can't just go uh, to these areas and just show us what's happening. Or a vice reporter. It's like, well, they won't give us credentials. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, can't you just go there? I know people have gone on, gone on hiking trips in Tibet and in central China and in, and in western China, different areas. Just say you're a hiker. Just, you know, don't just send one of your rookie reporters. Send him with a, have them film it on their phone. You don't have to send him with a whole news crew and credentials and this, that, or the other. Where's the evidence? Where is it? Well, they're surveilled, certainly. I mean, these people are surveilled, but so are all the Chinese people. And so are we in this country, I might add. We've talked about that over and over again. But you have people now breathlessly repeating that China is committing genocide against the Uyghurs, and there's no evidence of it. None that I have seen. It may exist. I haven't seen it. I can't find it, even though we're being spoon-fed this idea that it's taking place. And frankly, I'm not the only one who can't find it. Take a look at this report. This is from uh, Foreign Policy Magazine. State Department lawyers concluded insufficient evidence to prove genocide in China. So this is the State Department. This reports from February of 2021. This is just after Biden was sworn in. So you're really talking about Trump era State Department people that would have been looking for the evidence. You know, the Trump uh, administration was no friend of China. They would have loved to find evidence to use for various sanctions and things, as has now been done against China to pursue the trade war. And they couldn't find it. They, they can't find any evidence of genocide in China. So, you know, point is, folks, I'm just not the propaganda outlet here. I don't just serve you up CIA propaganda on this show. It's not what I do. If you want that, you know where to find it. You can find it plenty of places. Okay. Want to go here to your questions and answers. Of course, you can send your questions into the show. Go to jacobbull.org slash contact or jacob at jacobbull.org. Uh, you put question for the show and the post if you can so that I can find it among the other emails. Anonymous asks here, uh, do you know, and just put a fake name if you want. I mean, you know, you don't have to say anonymous. Do you know Yair Netanyahu doesn't seem to be that bad a guy. He posted some 4chan memes back in the day, including uh, happy merchant caricature to mock George Soros. Um, he's describing him here. I mean, simply put, no, I, I don't know him. I think Laura Loomer may know him. I just, I don't know. I certainly don't. I've never met him. I don't know him. I, I can say. Um, so, no, I, I don't know Yair Netanyahu. That would be, of course, Benjamin Netanyahu's son. Uh, Austin writes here, Hey, Jacob, I was in the grocery store over the weekend and was sort of trapped in an aisle because two black girls had their cart right in the middle. Both were on the phone and didn't feel like speaking to them, so I squeezed by a small gap. 
on one side of the cart. As I passed, one of the girls said, say excuse me, and the other one snapped. I'm going to tear your face apart. It reminded me of an earlier episode when you said to be extra cautious these days. There are so many crazed people out there, uh, more like animals, to be honest, writes Austin. Yeah, and, and people, like I said, are in a tough financial spot, a tough economic spot a lot of the times. Maybe they did lose all their money to FTX or BlockFi or one of these schemes or crypto, and maybe they lost their job. You just have to be extra careful. People are more likely to snap today than they've been in recent times. Uh, so again, folks, you can send in your questions. Make sure to support the show. You can send in your questions with or without a donation. But if you like to contribute financially, if you get value from the show and you want to send value back, you can use uh, Cash App, Real Jacob Wall on Cash App, Real Jacob Wall. Or you can go uh, to jacobwall.org slash podcast, jacobwall.org slash podcast, and you can uh, sign up for a small recurring donation there. Uh, or even a one-time donation, I believe, through the Gumroad platform. Uh, works well there. It's just it's very secure, and uh, they don't censor us and all of that. Uh, I, I was going to go in a, into a long segment here about this Washington Post uh, review here of this play. Uh, it, it, Washington Post offered a review of a new play. The report's entitled uh, Downstate is a play about pedophiles. It's also brilliant. Bruce Norris's off-Broadway work is tough stuff, questioning how society treats those convicted of heinous acts. So this is a review from uh, the Washington Post uh, writer over there named Peter Marks. And basically, he just gives a glowing review of a play that proposes uh, nicer treatment of pedophiles. Uh, I just don't, I'm not going to spend more time on this story. You can go check this out um, today. I just don't have the patience for this today to, to just go into this more. But it just shows you the media is trying to normalize all of this. And uh, well, it's having devastating consequences, as we've talked about, as we've shown. Um Terrible, terrible consequences. What about this story here in the Daily Mail? Uh, the headline is, Manhattan Pharma era says her mom had to hire a $300 a day deprogrammer to help her unlearn crazed woke views after she was brainwashed while attending elite Mount Holyoke College. Annabella Rockwell, 29, graduated from Mount Holyoke College in Western Massachusetts in 2015. She said it drove her to drink and made her briefly become estranged from her mother, who threw a vase during one of their arguments. Prior to attending the elite school, which charges $60,000 a year, Rockwell said she grew up in a traditional and open-minded household. While attending the school, she became indoctrinated and was taught that she was an oppressed victim of the patriarchy. Yeah. Oppressed victim, all right? Look at what it's gotten her. She's an heiress, for God's sakes. What kind of a patriarchy is that? Her mom uh, ultimately hired a $300 a day deprogrammer. I'm not sure exactly what that means. I guess I could do that job uh, for $300 a day. Uh, well, I don't know. Depending on how much time is involved, maybe I could give her a half hour a day for $300. More than that would probably be too much, but... Uh, which Rockwell credits for for getting her back on her feet. I just went down this deep rabbit hole, she says. If it wasn't for her, I'd probably be living in Massachusetts and I'd be miserable. The article says uh, that uh, Laura Loomer also attended the school for one semester in 2011 uh, and left after she claimed she was bullied for her conservative views. She said the school was the place to go to hate the patriarchy and white people and the founding of our country. I have no doubt about that. And it's like, why would anybody send their kids there? It's just nuts. Crazy to think that that would happen. Uh, quickly here, before we wrap up the show, this post uh, caught my attention on uh, Twitter. Uh, it's a post uh, showing Kyle Rittenhouse, Instagram post of Kyle Rittenhouse, and he's got his girlfriend sitting on his lap. And it says, man skipped every age group and went straight to being a... 65-year-old Fox News millionaire with a trophy wife. And uh, I think in part that's because the way he's dressed, he's got kind of a farmer attire on. I mean, just in the way that Rittenhouse is dressed and all of that. Uh, but they say this, but, you know, joking aside, people might see this and they might look at Kyle Rittenhouse and think maybe there's some disparity there on the look scale and what's that all about? And 
You know, what I will tell you is certainly as, as women have become more masculinized, the uh, idea of them caring about looks primarily has become one which is increasingly true. Men have committed themselves to this idea of, quote unquote, looks maxing. You know, how do you looks max is the term used online. Uh, and I, I support that. I mean, you know, to a healthy degree, I think it can go way too far when you're getting Botox and you're getting ab implants and all this crazy stuff you see. Uh, but to the degree that you can dress nicely and be in good shape, of course, that's a good idea. Now, you look at that and and I'd say Rittenhouse could do some looks maxing himself. He could get jacked. We could get him in great shape. Uh, I'd be happy to get him in great shape and get him jacked and ripped and all that stuff. But you know, you look at this situation and some certain people have had commentary about, well, she's with him because he's famous and all of this stuff. Well, let me just tell you this. Jokes aside and all of that, I think the, the reason that Rittenhouse is able to hold down a woman of this apparent quality, and, and they may be married. It's I, I don't know. I, I wasn't able to verify one way or the other in my brief preparation for this segment. But you put the jokes aside, you put the, you know, topical commentary aside. And for one thing, there is no doubt that Kyle Rittenhouse is, and I have to be careful about the way I say this, in the proper ways, Kyle Rittenhouse is usefully dangerous. And I had to break that up because people will clip it and take it out of context. He's dangerous in all the right ways. I mean, he is dangerous in the sense that he can be dangerous to bad people. Uh, his actions in Kenosha back in 2020 uh, featured a level of tactical competence beyond that of even what I have seen even in some videos of tier one uh, military operators. I mean, at least as good. You talk about firing from on your back, uh, as he did, with seconds counting, saving his life. His uh, his 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 rifle, which suffered a, a failure to feed, uh, he slammed the forward assist, which um, you know is 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 most people, most experts would say, don't do that. Most experts would say, get the round out of there. You know, if it doesn't want to go in, don't force it in, because if you try to force it in, it's going to cause more problems uh, than it's going to fix. A lot of the time, uh, Eugene Stoner did not want the forward assist on the AR-15, the inventor of it. But in this case, he slams the forward assist, gets the round in there. Thank God he does. It works. Second later, he has to use it, saves his life, takes out a, a, a pedophile uh, deviant who was trying to kill him, uh, and uh, another... Uh, shoots another who was attempting to kill him. He makes it out of there. Uh, and that was just the start of the challenge for Kyle Rittenhouse. I mean, that was just the start. I mean, he says he didn't really have training. I just don't buy it. The, the, the kind of expert marksmanship and and, and and things that he displayed there um, were just, you know, really high end. Um, really unbelievably good. But more than that, I mean, he's proven that he's tough. Kyle Rittenhouse has. He has, you know, he was put in jail for a while. They weren't feeding him properly. They wouldn't let him shower for like a month. And he went through the absolute legal crucible when he was able to get bailed out. Lynn Wood, I believe, raised a bunch of money for him and then basically stole it. Uh, most men, many men, a lot of real high-end, really tough guys would be broken would be broken if they went through what Kyle Rittenhouse has been through. They would be broken. And I've seen it happen. You know, they can handle one kind of a challenge, but the legal challenge at home is too much. And especially being through a legal challenge where you're innocent. You know, where, 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 the, the, where you're being lied about in the media, the way that he's been lied about in the media at such a high level. A lot of people can't take it. A lot of people cannot handle that. They end up permanently broken by that, but not Kyle Rittenhouse. And it speaks to a level of integrity. It speaks to a level of strength uh, that is extremely rarefied. And on the other side of that, you have a level of 
toughness if you make it through it, a level of toughness, a level of competence, a level of confidence, frankly, that cannot be faked. It cannot be faked. You can try, but it cannot be effectively faked. And if you are able to do that, then you have uh, a uh, an ability to imbue, I mean, everyone, but in particular women, with a feeling, which is what's relevant in that case, that virtually zero other men can. It's a kind of a feeling that virtually zero other men can convey. And so uh, for that reason is really why you see Kyle Rittenhouse able to do what he's able to do here. And uh, maybe we can get him on the show sometime. But I just wanted to offer my analysis of that uh, to, the, to, to whatever small degree I can, I can relate to his situation uh, and analyze it. There you go. But thanks for joining us today, folks, on The Jacob Wolf Show. I will uh, speak to you on Thursday, 2 p.m. live. Uh, make sure uh, to support the show, Cash App Real Jacob Wool or jacobwool.org slash podcast. Uh, it's been wonderful to have you Thursday, 2 p.m. live, shortly thereafter on podcast apps. Thanks for watching, and I will see you on Thursday.